one study or one poll from BMO was, I think I said $1.7 million is what people feel like they're going to need when they get to retirement, just based on some questions they asked. And we might have the odd person come in who actually needs that, but that wouldn't be typical, right? Often it's much less than that. Sometimes it's much more than that. It really just depends. Welcome to the only show that simplifies the complicated world of retirement planning while embracing life beyond the numbers. Expect clear insights, accessible tools, expert interviews, and actionable advice. Empowering you to use your values as a roadmap to your ideal retirement. No MBA required. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Your Retirement Planning Simplified. I am Joe Curry, along with my co-host, as always, Lindsay Wilson. How are you, Lindsay? I'm great, Joe. How are you? I'm great. I'm actually super excited right now because tomorrow, by this time, I'm going to be probably in Revelstoke getting ready for a weekend of snowboarding. Fantastic. Yeah, I know. I'm pretty excited because there has not been much snow in Ontario (laughs) so far this winter. Not at all. But anyway, so that's what's on my mind right now. I don't doubt. How about you? Getting ready for our our season of client reviews coming up. We're about to launch. So that's always a busy and exciting time. So just prepping for that. That's exciting stuff. I know. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's jump into it then. Yeah. So we had Kathleen, your retirement planning simplified listener from Mississauga, reached out to us with a question, which was, I know not a lot of people have defined benefit plans, but everyone keeps talking about needing 1 million to 2 million at retirement. How would a defined benefit pension plan get valued? And does the amount needed at retirement include government programs? So Joe, I'm going to ask you to break down that question a bit. Sure. Yeah. So there's a couple of pieces I think in there, but what I believe Kathleen is getting at is you see these different polls or different studies that show the average Canadian needs X number of dollars in their account to retire at age 60 or whatever the number is. This one to two million range she's talking about, I mean, that's definitely where most of these kind of averages, I think, fall. But what she's also saying is, does that just mean that we should have a portfolio that's that big? Even if we have a pension and we have these other government programs, like how does it all fit together? So in this episode today, Lindsay, you and I can walk through it a bit, but maybe we'll break down the components of the question more specifically and we'll wrap it together at the end. Yeah, so let's tackle it. So why are people talking about requiring 1 million to 2 million for a successful retirement? Sure. So this is a question, if you go on Google, it's a pretty popular question. How much do I need to retire at 55 or 60 or 65? That gets typed in kind of all day, every day, I believe. And it's a common question because people want to know, am I getting close to retirement or how much do I need to be putting away? What do I need to grow my savings to before I can actually retire? But the problem with asking that question to Google And looking at these different studies or these different polls is that everyone is different. So the reason that these polls or these studies exist is because people are asking the question. So people want to try to quantify and give it an answer, which is okay. And maybe it's a starting point. But at the end of the day, obviously, we talk to a lot of people about retirement planning. That's what we do. And we don't really see, typically anyway, kind of the average. So let's just say one study or one poll from BMO was, I think I said, $1.7 million is what people feel like they're going to need when they get to retirement, just based on some questions they asked. And we might have the odd person come in who actually needs that, but that wouldn't be typical, right? Often it's much less than that. Sometimes it's much more than that. It really just depends 
um, individual situations. And then I think getting back to Kathleen's question is it also really depends on what other income streams do they have? So do they have a pension? How much are they going to get for the Canada pension plan? Are they eligible for old age security? All that kind of stuff. So that all comes into play really. But at the end of the day, these numbers exist because people are looking for it. So content creators are trying to give them an answer. Absolutely. Now, let's get even more specific. And for people who might not know, what is a defined benefit pension plan? So a defined benefit pension plan, and if you want to dive into this in a lot more depth, Lindsay will put in the show notes episodes where we've talked more about what are different types of pensions. But essentially, a defined benefit pension plan is a lot like your government benefits where you basically, you know what your pension income is going to look like in retirement. So it's going to be based off of how many years you worked, what your income was, and then some of the specifics of the actual pension plan. But at the end of the day, the risk is with the company that you work for. It's not with you. So you're not putting your money into the market trying to create income. You've put in your time and you're going to get paid a paycheck in retirement, just like while you're working. So that's why if you have a defined benefit pension plan, it makes sense you're asking the question, do I need as much as the typical Canadian? Because there's probably a lot of value in having that pension. So how are defined benefit pension plans typically valued? There's an actuarial way of valuing it where we're looking at interest rates, mortality rates, inflation expectations. So we can come up with a number, which we call the commuted value of the pension. So there's certain opportunities or times where an employee would be able to take that commuted value from the pension. But really what that commuted value is, it's putting the best attempt to put a value on what the pension is actually worth if we're going to pay out a lump sum rather than this future cash flow or this future income stream into retirement. So you might be able to get that if you're terminated from your job, you can take that with you. So maybe you, you can actually move it into another pension if you had that opportunity with your new employer, or you could move it into individual retirement accounts. So typically that'd be a locked in retirement account or a lira. And sometimes you can't fit it all into that lira. So if you had RRSP contribution room, some of the excess could go into there. So you're not paying tax on it. But anything that doesn't fit into those two types of accounts, because it not always will it fit in, you would take as cash. And then that would go into your income and you'd have to pay some tax on that. So it's possible to get your hands on that actual commuted value. Sometimes, just depending on the pension and your age, you might be able to just take that as an option rather than selecting the option of getting an income in retirement. Most often, it probably doesn't make sense, especially if you're close to or at retirement age. But there might be a few reasons you would do that. One being maybe you have a spouse who also has guaranteed income and you're just trying to free up some flexibility so you can have money for lump sums rather than just that monthly paycheck coming in. And maybe to be able to leave an inheritance to your kids because while a pension is great to make sure you never run out of money, you're also not leaving behind a tangible asset for your kids. But when we're trying to look at this from a retirement planning standpoint, and we're trying to maybe assign some numbers to that value in addition to our portfolio, then what we might do is kind of start with the 4% rule for retirement income, which we've talked about in the past. And again, we've done a lot of episodes on this that we can link to in the show notes, or you can go back into the past and look where we get into the real details. But we're just trying to do really high level. So the 4% rule is basically saying, if I have a million dollars at the start of retirement, I want to take out an amount each year I can use as income. So withdrawal from that million dollar portfolio, and an amount that I'm not going to worry about running out of money in the future. And I want to keep that up with inflation or the cost of living so that I don't feel like I'm spending less money as the cost of living goes up. So that's where the 4% rule comes in. So again, at a million dollars, following the 4% rule, you'd be able to take out $40,000 a year. So the flip side of that is we can kind of do that math backwards, I guess you could say. 
So let's just say we had a pension that was going to be paying you $40,000 a year when you add up all the monthly income. Essentially, that would be worth about a million dollars if we're trying to kind of give a value to all of your retirement assets. Because if we were going to generate that $40,000 a year of income for you, we would need to have the portfolio of approximately a million dollars. Again, obviously, there's some intricacies and some individual planning that goes around that. The 4% is just a starting point, not the end all be all. But that gives us a bit of an idea of how could we put a value on that. Does that make sense, Lindsay, what I'm saying? It does. One of the things that I'm curious about in terms of you talked about intricacies, what are some of the government programs available to supplement income for Canadian retirees? Yeah, so there's the Canada Pension Plan and Old Age Security. So Canada Pension Plan, while you're working in Canada after age 18, you're making contributions and your employer's making contributions to Canada Pension Plan all along while you're working. Or if you're self-employed, you're making, I guess, both halves of that contribution. And that's going to a future retirement benefit, which is just like a defined benefit pension. Again, you don't have any market risk in that based on the amount you've contributed, the number of years you've contributed, and the age you take the pension, there's a formula for exactly how much you get. And then old age security is paid out based on you being a Canadian. And if you've been here for 40 years from the time you're age 18 in Canada, then you're going to get that full benefit. So if you're less than that, there's a calculation for how much you get. But at the end of the day, those are both just like defined benefit pensions. So you can count on that money coming in every month once you start to take it. So if we try to do the exact same thing we just did with defined benefit pension, put a, some value around that. So at age 65, if you were getting close to the max benefit of Canada Pension Plan plus your old age security, you're going to be in the neighborhood of $20,000 a year of income. So if we do that same backwards math using the 4% rule to replace that $20,000 a year of income, what would I need in a portfolio to generate that? We're looking at roughly $500,000. We can kind of put that value on. Now, the good thing about CPP and old age security is we can actually get an added bonus every month that we wait. So if we waited right till age 70, which is the max we could wait. And we take the max benefit and we redo the math. Well, now the value of that income that's going to be coming out of there because of the bonus from age 65 to 70, we got by delaying. Now that income stream is worth closer to a million dollars. So at the end of the day, what I'm saying is we can put a value on these different income streams that we have. And if we have multiple income streams, including that defined benefit pension, we probably don't need to have as much in our portfolio when we're trying to look at what is the typical amount required for a retirement portfolio. Now, just to kind of tie it back to the beginning, because what people need in retirement is so different between individuals, how would you recommend listeners think about determining their ideal portfolio value? So like you said, kind of tying this all together, we can kind of forget about what does the typical Canadian need? And we want to look at your own situation. So what you can do is you start by understanding what are your goals for retirement? What are those income needs? Again, we've talked about different ways of figuring out your cash flow. But from a really high level, we just start by looking at what are you spending today, which can be calculated by looking at what's all the money coming into your bank account every month. And what are you putting into savings? Because in retirement, you probably don't need to save for retirement anymore. So we can kind of subtract out the amount going to retirement savings. You can look at, you know, are there other expenses that you have today, sorry, that you will not have in retirement. So for example, maybe you have a mortgage payment today, but by the time you retire, you will not have a mortgage anymore. So you can pull that out of the calculation. But at the end of the day, all the money coming into your bank account, minus those expenses I just mentioned, that's how much you're spending today. And that's likely not going to change much in retirement. In fact, depending on your goals for maybe some travel or maybe spending money on grandkids, other things that might come up in retirement you're not spending now, you might even have a bit of an increase there. 
but you can use that as your starting point. So how much do I need for income in retirement? The next thing you can do is look at what existing retirement streams am I going to have when I get to retirement? So do I have a defined benefit pension? And what is that going to look like from an income standpoint? And if you do, you should be able to go to your employer and get an estimate of what that's going to be at age 65 at your early retirement options. You can see if there's going to be a bridge benefit. So what I mean by that is if you're able to take your full pension at age 55, there might be a bridge in there that gives you a higher income to get from age 55 to 65 when the CPP, old age security typically kick in, right? So anyways, figuring out what are these different income streams I have? So CPP and OAS along with the pension, is there anything else that's going to be coming in for income? So now your income needs are approximately, you can see what your income sources are, what they're creating for you. And then now you can figure out what's your gap. So how much income are you missing after you account for those different income streams? So maybe you need $100,000 a year for your household and between your pension, your government benefits, you know, you have $50,000 a year of income that's going to be coming in and indexed to inflation. So in other words, we need to replace about $50,000 a year of income once we get to retirement. So then we're solving for, okay, how much do we need in our portfolio to create $50,000 to fill the gap that our guaranteed income sources are not not taken into account or are not covering? Mm-hmm. So hopefully that all makes sense, Lindsay. Is that clear enough? I think so. Do you have any final parting thoughts or anything that you'd like to wrap up? Yeah. So I would just say, depending on when you're listening to this, if you're still a couple of years out from retirement, I mean, now's the time to be working through the exercise I just went through. Because if at this point you still have some time, if you're still working to figure out what that gap is so that you can start to close it, or maybe it'll be a good news story and you find out, you know what, I actually am probably okay to retire now. There isn't really a gap there. So the key action item coming out of this episode, I would say is go through that exercise of understanding what are your income needs? What are your income sources? And what's the gap? Excellent. Well, thanks, Joe. Of course, we'll include all our resources in the show notes. And thanks again. All right. Thank you, Lindsay. Investment services are provided through Matthews & Associates Investments of Aligned Capital Partners Incorporated and approved trade name of Aligned Capital Partners Inc. ACPI. Only investment-related products and services are offered through ACPI slash Matthews & Associates Investments of ACPI and covered by the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. Tax planning, financial planning, and insurance services are provided through Matthews & Associates. Matthews & Associates is an independent company separate and distinct from ACPI slash Matthews & Associates Investments of ACPI. Matthews & Associates are not licensed tax professionals, and you should consult with your tax advisor before acting on any recommendations. Visit retirementplanningsimplified.ca and join the Retirement Planning Simplified community, where we explore the complicated world of retirement planning while embracing life beyond the numbers. As a member of our community, you'll receive insights, tips, and the latest retirement planning tools straight from us to you. 